You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast for Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California. When you came into the sanctuary this morning, if you grabbed your bulletin cover, looked at it, and said, that is a vowel movement that has made a mess, this message is for you. Now, if you're streaming with us at home, if you're watching this uh, service recorded, the bulletin cover, which you don't have with you, the O replaced the I, we substituted on for in, on all things. Now, if you thought that was a terrible mistake, like I said, this message is for you if that was your first impulse. Even if not, this message is for you, and I actually think these three words, on all things, are as important as the three words that they sit on top of, in all things. And I think that theme, in all things, is something that needs to be on our, on our hearts, our minds, and our lips. That in all things, we are loved and led. God is great and God is good. You've heard me say before, all eliminates minis and mosts and muches. Uh, It dispatches of partiality and embraces in totality in all things. And how important is it to have that in days that seem a lot like the days of the prophets? Our days do seem a lot like the days of the prophets, at least in my opinion. Often good is dubbed evil, and that which is harmful is proclaimed to be helpful. We live in days where that which is ideologic in nature is purported to be scientific in substance. We live in days in which uh, truth is called a lie and lies are called gospel, lowercase g. And maybe you kind of feel like a prophet at some point. If you read the prophets in those days, they're often found in despair, depressed, thinking that God has abandoned them, and that is when they hear... And then they speak what is spoken to them, that in all things they are loved and they are led. In all things he is good and he is great. And that is as true for us as it was for them. And I pray that's a theme that you cling to. Long after our bulletin covers, our banners on campus, and our bodies no longer bear the slogan, in all things, that you know that in all things. But there's another sentence that I think is probably just as important for us to cling to. On all things. Now I'm going to confess that sadly... These words are tougher for me than the others. The reason I say sadly is actually these words come to us from the meaning of the Eighth Commandment uh, as written in our catechism on all things. Let me start by asking you a question. Do you think our culture, do you think our society would change for the better if the rush to condemn, to twist, and to slander those of different opinion or position or theory was not the standard operating procedure of the day. 
I do too. You probably don't need me to uh, rehearse them. You don't require that I tell the stories. I'll do a few. Uh, A PM in Finland on trial because she quoted Bible passages in an email to her pastor. A Jewish PM in Canada accused of standing with swastika bearers because she would not denounce protest. An American congresswoman accused of being a terrorist because of the faith she practiced. Those aren't isolated events. They're not unique. Unfortunately, they happen all too often, and I can tell you they all come because on all things was not employed at the outset. They don't just happen in halls of power. The metaverse, the World Wide Web, the university, your own neighborhood alike. And it's not just a problem that that's out there. I believe it's a problem that's in here. This isn't just something that the world deals with, it's something that the church deals with far too often. There are two guys sitting at a coffee shop. Both of them have their Bible. One finally asks the question, what you doing? Well, my vacation comes to an end. I got to fly home uh, tomorrow. I'm writing a sermon. I'm preaching on Sunday. I'm a pastor. Me too, says the other guy. Oh, uh, I'm a Lutheran. So am I. Missouri Synod. Same here. I'm preaching on the epistle. No way. Yeah, I've chosen hymn 187 to be the sermon hymn for the weekend. 187? Well, we use the green hymnal. The other gentleman quietly stands up, dismisses himself, and whispers, heretic, as he walks away. (laughs) Now, that story is not true, but it could be. I read these words in a theological journal this weekend. If we approach discussion with the words, with the worst of intention, with aims of self-righteous vindication and hopes of proving another wrong, we will certainly manage to find a way to arrive at our predetermined, desired destination. That's the end of the quote. The author could have concluded with saying, even if the route to it is simply through the color of the cover of a hymnal. Luther lived in a world in which if you wanted to post your thoughts, you did not go to your wall, you went to the church and her doors. And if you wanted to respond to what was written, you had to go back home. You had to craft something. If you wanted everyone to know about it, you had to return to those same doors, or you had to go to a printer who would take a little time to produce your piece and then to have it disseminated for many to read. The reformer lived in the world of wait a week or a month communication. And yet he knew that our immediate inclination is so often worst construction. 
Well, we live in a world of immediate communication, do we not? I think the meaning to the Eighth Commandment as put in the Catechism is probably more important for us today than it was when it was written in the 16th century. Let me read that meaning to you. We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him. Speak well of him. And if you are in confirmation right now or you've been confirmed in the last decade or two, you probably memorized the ending of this meeting with the words and explain everything in the kindest of ways. If you are old, however, if you were confirmed a long time ago, there's probably a pretty good chance you memorized the ending with these words and put the best construction on all things. Not on some things, not on certain things, not on these things or those things, not on that which is said by these folks or those folks, on all things. Now, I can tell you in all honesty and all integrity, I don't think I'd ever walk away from a conversation purely because of the cover of the hymnal. But in humility and shame, I will admit that I often just want to walk away before the conversation even begins. Not him again. Not her again. Not this again. Not that again. How about you? Maybe I'm preaching to the choir of one, but this choir needs to hear it, so I'm going to keep on going. I confess that at times I have sought to elevate my preferences and my opinions to canon law. And if you are anything like me, even if just on occasion, you know what it is, therefore, to dismiss another's perspective out of hand, because it's not mine, not my position not my preference, not my precious. Imagine for a moment a room filled with Christians. That shouldn't be too hard, right? And what if the speaker were to say, please assume the posture of prayer. Yes, my eyes are closed. But another like this, yes, my eyes are opened, assumed a different posture. And what if this person seeing that person, immediately thought, what a ritualist. And what if this person immediately thought of that person? What an enthusiast. Style so often becomes sola. And what follows is the worst construction on most things. Luther knew that if we immediately jump to the idea that someone isn't faithful or spiritual or even useful, we become brokers of worst construction. And worst construction eliminates the possibility of fruitful conversation, let alone loving dialogue. And the reform was certain that putting the best construction on 
all things was indeed the path to fruitful conversation and loving dialogue spoken in truth. It's important to note here, please, please do not mishear me. The reformer, the reformers, the catechism itself, they are not saying that we should compromise or ignore sin. They're not calling us to devalue, deflate, or deflect the truth of the word of God. God's word is inerrant, even as it is inspired. It is the written communication, living and active, of he who is the incarnate word himself, he who is the way, the truth, and the life. And putting the best construction on all things is not seeking to lower the word, it's simply seeking to humble ourselves, to engage in loving rather than lording. And if I'm not mistaken, we've been commanded to love as we have been loved, correct? And we have been forbidden to lord over as we are lorded over. True concord, harmonious fellowship, it can't happen without fruitful dialogue that flows from loving conversation, speaking the truth in love. And if we start with the worst construction, we'll never get there. If we accept gossip with a capital G, if we uh, are hesitant to hear out, but speedy to slander, if the church resembles the world by refusing to put the best construction on all things, the church will have very little to offer the world that's already filled with that. For in the words of one reformer, putting the best construction on all things means living with our brothers and sisters the way we desire they live with us. In fear and love of God, veiled in the blood of Christ his Son, seeking by the Spirit's power to daily improve our life, faith, and walk, and to be a means by which others improve their life, faith, and walk as well. And he could have concluded, in all things, which begins when we put the best construction on all things. Amen. Thank you for listening today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message, can be found on our YouTube channel and at www.bethanylutheran.org. Links for both of these are in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562-210-0463. That's GIVE. G-I-V-E to 562-210-0463. We pray that you have a wonderful and blessed week.